0: Hi listeners, it's Delia D'Ambra. Summer is here, and I'm back with my hit podcast, Park Predators, to uncover mysteries from some of the world's most picturesque destinations you wouldn't expect. Because it turns out, sometimes the most beautiful places hide the darkest secrets.
1: In this brand new season of Park Predators, I'm taking you beyond the beauty of these natural wonders like never before from the iconic Grand Canyon to the plains of
0: Zambia, and so many places in between, all with chilling stories from the most unique places on Earth. So no matter where you're off to this summer season, new episodes
1: of Park Predators are out every Tuesday all summer long. Listen to Park Predators now, wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: A&E's crime and investigation event The Pursuit returns with a new unprecedented season of 60 Days In This time we're going in as a united front (laughs) together as one team with one unified mission We are determined to expose what's really going on We signed up for this Would you? 60 Days In, new episode Thursday at 9 Part of The Pursuit, a crime and investigation event only on A&E
1: That's H-E-L-P, dot com.
0: Oh my God! Please, please separate her. Eleven forty two. It's emergency. Hello. I just called. Please, I need an
1: ambulance. Okay, what happened, ma'am?
0: My mom, she's dead. I think I don't know. What happened? Help me! Help me! Help me! Hello? Hello? What happened? I came home and my mom is in a puddle of blood. can you just send something yes, right Yes, ma'am, now. I saw sure that. Oh no.
1: Ma'am? On October 30th, 2007, Mandy Stein, the daughter of 62-year-old real estate agent to the stars Linda Stein, walked into the living room of her mother's apartment at 965 Fifth Avenue on Manhattan's Upper East Side and found Linda lying face down in a pool of blood. According to police... Linda had been brutally attacked, beaten to death in an attack that a prosecutor would later describe as animalistic and the worst I've ever seen. The medical examiner would later determine that someone had hit Linda with something heavy, several times, at least six or seven, maybe as many as 80, in an attack that snapped Linda's spine, paralyzing her and leaving her with no way to fight back. In New York City, Linda Stein was a big deal, She was a bold-faced name in Page Six, which meant that once you see your name in black in the New York Post, you know that you've made it. She had helped find homes for superstar clients including Angelina Jolie, Madonna, Sting, and Billy Joel. So the day after Linda Stein's body was found, the death of the punk rock pioneer turned high-powered realtor was the top story in New York. I'm Katherine Townsend, and this is Red Collar. Linda's daughter Mandy, who had been staying with her mom while working on a documentary, was still in shock after finding Linda's body when she came into the apartment at around 10.30 p.m. Now a forensic team was combing Linda's apartment, trying to figure out what happened. Investigators considered the possibility that Linda could have fallen, but when they pulled the hood of her top back, they saw her severe skull injuries, according to the New York Times. Throughout her entire life, Linda was a controversial figure whose sense of adventure and fiery temperament meant that she had a long list of both friends and enemies. Linda Stein was born Linda Adler, and she grew up in Riverdale in a middle-class neighborhood. She worked as a fifth grade teacher before a meeting with her future husband, Seymour Stein, the music mogul who founded Sire Records, would change her life forever. Both of them had a huge passion for music. Seymour would go on to found Warner Brothers records, and he helped shape the careers of superstars, including Madonna, The Talking Heads, and The Pretenders. Linda and Seymour married in 1971, they moved into a huge, nine-bedroom apartment on Central Park West. Then, Linda started working in the music industry, and her bluntness, sense of humor, and ability to deal with tough personalities meant that she was a natural. Linda went on to help manage punk rock bands, including one of the biggest in the world, the Ramones. She was described in a 1979 Rolling Stone article. It read, quote, Ten minutes later, diminutive Linda Stein, 32-year-old wife of Seymour Stein, the president of the Warner Brothers Distributed Sire label, and the other half of the band's managerial team, strides in and Joey lifts his head and whispers to her urgently. She nods and then issues a booming command all assembled. Excuse me, everybody, please clear the room. Joey wants to be alone to wash his face. End quote. According to the Independent newspaper, Linda changed the direction of punk rock when she suggested the Ramones go to Britain. The two shows the band played in London in summer 1976 were, quote, the sulfur that finally ignited punk in Britain, end quote. They helped inspired later punk groups, including The Clash. In fact, it's been suggested in various media outlets that the Ramones single, Sheena is a Punk Rocker, was based on Linda Stein. Linda and Seymour had two daughters, Samantha and Mandy. During the 70s, Linda and her husband lived the sex, drugs, and rock and roll lifestyle. They partied and they traveled the world with famous friends, including Elton John and Bob Dylan. But eventually, the couple grew apart, and eventually they divorced in 1979. Seymour Stein has since said that their marriage was, quote, like a roller coaster, only a good one, like the cyclone at Coney Island, end quote. After the divorce, the couple remained good friends. In the 1990s, Linda reinvented herself as a real estate agent to the stars after she helped sell one of Seymour's apartments. And after that, she racked up a huge celebrity clientele. She helped clients, including Bruce Willis, Steven Spielberg, and Elton John, buy their multi-million dollar apartments. She had great turnaround, too. She sold Billy Joel and Christy Brinkley their home at 88 Central Park West, and later, after they split, she sold the same apartment to Sting for $4.8 million. She also gave her clients blunt advice. She once told Angelina Jolie to ditch the vial she was wearing of Billy Bob Thornton's blood if she ever wanted to get past a conservative Manhattan co-op board. In 1990, when Linda moved to Douglas Elliman, she signed a deal guaranteeing her a 65% share of commissions instead of the usual 50/50. Linda was on fire. She was profiled in Vogue, The New York Observer, and was a regular in the New York Post page six gossip column. A 1991 profile by Michael Gross in New York Magazine shows Linda in her sky-high heels, wearing a black power suit with super short shorts. She had a big smile in that picture and actually looks like she's about to start laughing or screaming. That was just her personality. But you don't get to the top without making some enemies, and Linda was no exception. She was a diminutive woman with a huge personality who cursed like a sailor. She was known for using the F word as a noun, adjective, and verb all in the same sentence. According to Fox News, there are six mentions of Linda Stein in the Andy Warhol diaries. She was also reportedly the inspiration for the feisty real estate agent who sells an Upper East Side apartment to Charlie Sheen's character, Bud Fox, in the Oliver Stone movie, Wall Street. Linda had all the trappings of success. She had a private office, a chauffeured BMW, and of course, a personal assistant. Linda had fought hard to get where she was in business, and she was a huge success. But she had also battled various health crises over the years. Linda was a breast cancer survivor. She'd had two mastectomies during the 90s, according to an excellent New York Magazine article by Robert Kolker. Also, according to the article, at the time of her death, she was dealing with another diagnosis. Doctors had found a benign brain tumor. The tumor reportedly did not require surgery, but it meant that Linda did have to take a drug cocktail. The drugs had side effects. They made her weak, and she struggled to do things like hold her hair dryer. Linda practiced yoga for a long time, and it helped a lot with her physical therapy. And according to Robert Colker's article, she quote, "still chain smoked joints like they were cigarettes." End quote. After the murder, the New York Times reported that quote, Miss Stein had many tumultuous relationships in her life, but investigators have not focused on any particular people and did not comment on possible motives. End quote. People could read between the lines here, and. Kind of like a page-six blind item, they were scouring the press every day for hints or clues to who the killer might be. Everyone knew that Linda was definitely a controversial figure. But they wondered, who would have been angry enough to kill Linda in such a horrific way? Some of her clients could definitely be difficult. She told New York Magazine that managing celebrities and teaching children was basically the same thing. She said, quote, Stars and fifth graders, it's all the same, end quote. But at the time of her death, friends and family members said that Linda was not having any conflict with anyone in particular. She was also between relationships. Police focused on the last person who they believed had seen Linda alive, her 26-year-old assistant, Natavia Lowry. Natavia was African-American, soft-spoken, and serious. Linda was Jewish, loud, brash, and had a bold personality. But according to friends, they got along well. The security in Linda's building was tight. It showed Natavia coming in at around 11 a.m. on the day Linda was killed. Later, Natavia could be seen leaving at around the time when police believed the murder occurred. She could be seen on camera looking at the soles of her shoes. Could she, police wondered, have been checking for blood? Police would have to re-examine everything they thought they knew about Natavia Lowry.
0: Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. A&E's crime and investigation event The Pursuit returns with a new unprecedented season of 60 Days In This time we're going in as a united front together as one team with one unified mission We are determined to expose what's really going on We signed up for this Would you? 60 Days In, new episode Thursday at 9 Part of The Pursuit, a crime and investigation event only on A&E
1: Natavia Lowry was born in the Grant Projects in Harlem. Her mom was a housekeeper, her dad was a maintenance man. Former FBI Special Agent Steve Moore told the TV program, I Knew My Murderer, that Natavia's father died when she was just a baby, and that her family struggled hard to ensure that she could get a good education. When she was a teen, her mom started dating her stepfather, Daniel Walsh. The family moved to Brooklyn, and she went to Murray Bergstrom High School in Manhattan. She was interested in public relations and after graduating from high school, she got a clerical job at top PR firm Rogers & Cowan. In 2002, she went to North Carolina State University. She was in the black finesse modeling troupe. She later transferred to Hunter College and graduated with a business degree. In 2007, she started working for Axios, a temp agency. In July of that year, she was sent to work for Linda at Prudential Douglas Elliman. As a boss, Linda was tough and fierce. According to Natavia's family, Natavia told them about Linda yelling at people. But, they said, she didn't mention that Linda yelled at her. Natavia was expected to perform the duties of an assistant, typing, filing, answering emails and phone calls. But also, she did personal tasks, like walking with Linda in Central Park, scheduling her AA meetings, and even washing her hair. Now, this brings me to something that I'm obsessed with. The fact that when a lot of us think about white-collar crime, which leads to red-collar crime, we're thinking about impersonal cases, like people stealing money from the government or from a big, faceless corporation. But a study that came out in 2010, the National Public Survey on white-collar crime, found that nearly one in four American households were victims of white-collar crime in that year. And we know that many white-collar and red-collar criminals steal from the people closest to them Now, good assistants are expected to anticipate their boss's every need, and that requires a huge amount of trust. For a while, Natavia and Linda seemed to be a good match. Linda reportedly liked Natavia. She even paid for her boyfriend to come visit her. At the same time, Natavia was dealing with a huge amount of stress. Shortly after she started working for Linda, she found out that she was pregnant. Though Natavia was not well-paid, Linda would tip her for washing her hair a gesture that could be seen as kind or could be taken as patronizing. Natavia was broke and desperate. Meanwhile, the forensic team was examining Linda's remains. The county coroner ruled Linda's death a homicide and attributed the cause to blunt impact trauma to the head and neck. Natavia's family described her as a sweet and devoted daughter with no criminal record who would never do anything like this. But dark secrets began to emerge. For one thing, while living in Virginia Beach, Natavia was sued for not paying $515 in rent. Her family blamed the missing money on a former roommate of Natavia's, who they said had skipped out without paying their share. She was also accused of embezzling $3,000 from Calgary Christian Church while she was working there. A high school friend also claimed that Natavia used her name to open up a $300 T-Mobile account and a $300 Target account, and then completely denied responsibility when she was confronted about the theft. The friend told a reporter, quote, she's a pathological liar and blamed it all on the boyfriend she was seeing at the time, end quote. Natavia was charged with misdemeanor identity theft, but the charges were eventually dropped. Police knew that Linda had a reputation as a tough boss. This murder was highly personal, overkill, and they were looking for someone close to her. Police did check out an ex-boyfriend and a younger broker who she'd been in a relationship with, but both men were reportedly cleared really quickly. Police interviewed Natavia the day after the murder and released her. Then they reviewed the building's security footage again and noticed something else. The surveillance video reportedly showed Natavia entering the building wearing cargo pants with large pockets and leaving with the pants turned inside out, suggesting, investigators say that she might have been trying to hide the blood stains. Investigators took Linda's apartment apart. They ripped out the bathtub, scoured the living room carpet, and even took a section of the apartment door to test for blood. Natavia's sealed identity theft arrest from the previous year was made public in the pages of the Daily News. Two police detectives met with her, first in Williamsburg and then at the station house. On November 7th, Natavia confessed.
0: up your ultimate DIY companion with a Skill Power Tool at Menards. With power and precision at your fingertips, tackle any project with ease. From drilling to sawing, sanding to driving, Skill has you covered. Engineered for efficiency and durability, Skill Power Tools deliver quality results every time. Say big on Skill Power Tools. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now.
1: Say big. Commissioner Ray Kelly held a press conference. He said Natavia claimed that Linda had verbally abused her and used racist language on the day that she attacked her. She reportedly said, quote, she was constantly yelling at me, end quote. We're going to hear a clip of that confession now. So she's pointing the cane at me now, right? So uh, moved the cane. You know how you just, like, slap it? Where were you? you still on the couch? Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting on the couch. So she's like waving a cane and stuff at me. And it's like, I don't know, like after that, the mark and stuff, and you know, her screaming and yelling, I just snatched it from her once so I took it and it's
0: like I just hit her with it.
1: On the day of the attack, Natavia claimed that Linda had blown pot smoke in her face. So now Natavia's lawyers are trying to paint a picture of her as a desperate pregnant woman who just snapped. She said Linda berated her work and was wielding the yoga stick in a menacing way. Natavia told investigators that she offered to buy Linda lunch to make amends. But, she said, Linda told her black people don't have any money. That's when Natavia says she grabbed the yoga stick and hit her boss six or seven times. Then she said she panicked. She called her name repeatedly and shook her to try to wake her up before leaving the apartment and heading home. And this version of the story became pretty widely accepted at the time. A true crime show reenactment from back then shows an actress portraying Linda's blowing pot smoke into Natavia's face and waving a yoga stick at her. The narrator says, quote, Linda wields the yoga bar like a weapon, end quote, and continues to remind the audience that Natavia was pregnant. On November 9th, Natavia Lowry was arrested and charged with murder in connection with Linda Stein's death. But investigators who were following the money were finding evidence that Natavia wasn't a desperate pregnant woman. She was a cold-blooded killer. And the story was about to take another crazy turn. Because after confessing to Linda's murder, Natavia pleaded not guilty. According to her lawyers, the confession was coerced. Natavia, they said, was desperate to get out of the interview room after six hours. So she just told the police what they wanted to hear. Some elements of Natavia's story made no sense. For one thing, Linda's colleagues told Robert Colker that even though she did smoke pot, she was generally thoughtful about it. For example, she would light up in a separate room and open windows. So the part about her blowing smoke in Natavia's face, they said, did not ring true. But Natavia's story was blown apart completely once the toxicology report came back and showed no trace of marijuana in Linda's blood. Also, Natavia claimed the fight had been started when Linda confronted her and hurled racist language at her. But investigators had done what they so often have to do in rape collar cases. They followed the money. And it turned out that Natavia had been stealing from Linda for months, starting from the first day that she worked for her. In total, investigators say she had stolen around $30,000, And police believe she may have stolen a lot more. Some law enforcement sources claimed up to $60,000. And while Natavia's family and her lawyers painted a picture of her as a pregnant woman who just wanted to provide for her family, some of the items she bought didn't seem to fit that image. Natavia opened two American Express accounts in Linda's name and forged a $4,000 check to the Boys and Girls Club in order to get tickets to the premiere of the Denzel Washington movie, American Gangster. One of the many ironies of this case is that this is actually a movie about a guy doing whatever it took to make money, including killing anyone who stands in his way. Mark Benneke, who had known Linda since their Studio 54 Days, said that he'd been watching Monday Night Football with Linda on the night before she was killed, and she asked him a fateful question. According to The Observer, Linda said, quote, Mark... What would you say if you thought someone was stealing from you and not doing right by you? "Quote." Mark testified that on October 30th, he called at 1 p.m. to ask his friend of 30 years if she wanted to share a glass of birthday champagne. Natavia answered and told him that Linda had gone out for a walk, but security cameras in Linda's building never showed her leaving that day. Later, Mark would realize that at the time he called, Linda was almost certainly already dead. Investigators also said that, contrary to some early media reports, Linda's attacker did not cover Linda's head out of some sort of loyalty or dignity. She did it to limit blood spatter. After Linda was dead, Natavia pulled the hood over her head and started the cleanup. She washed the blood off the walls and turned her cargo pants inside out to disguise the bloodstains. At some point, Mandy called. Natavia told her that her mother was out. And she learned that Mandy would be coming back to the apartment later that night. So prosecutors say she knew it was now or never. After the murder, Natavia left the apartment, taking Linda's cell phone with her. She stopped in an ATM and stole $800 from Linda's account, then came back to the apartment to put Linda's cell phone back and leave again before Mandy arrived. On November 2nd, a funeral was held for Linda Stein at Riverside Memorial Chapel and the star-studded guest list would have made Linda proud. Guests including Whoopi Goldberg, Jan Wenner, Brett Ratner, and Clive Davis gathered to celebrate Linda's memory. According to the Independent newspaper, Mandy talked about stealing her mom's VIP cards and using them to get into Manhattan clubs as a teen. Samantha's speech was more somber. She revealed the horror of seeing Linda dead and talked about the hours of work the morticians had to put in to disguise the brutality of her death. As the police were diving deeper into the events leading up to October 30th, investigators started taking a closer look at Natavia's family, specifically her mother, Lottie, because police found something else strange in Linda's apartment. They found her driver's license that had been cut up and copied repeatedly at the same desk that Natavia sat at every day. In each copy of the license, according to sources, Linda's picture had been taken out and Lottie's put in. Also, in court, prosecutors presented evidence that Natavia moved around $10,000 from Linda's accounts into one controlled by Lottie. Her mom then allegedly used those funds to pay for Natavia's defense, according to the New York Post. The trial turned into a media circus, and Natavia's family caused chaos during the proceedings. Her father, Daniel Walsh, made at least one dramatic outburst in the courtroom. Also, Natavia tried to fire her defense team and replace them with a new attorney, twice— Eventually, the judge ordered Natavia's lawyers to go on with the case. Members of her family had to be escorted out of the courtroom. They were screaming profanity and calling the ruling BS, according to DNA Info. Michael Walsh actually faced contempt charges after the incident, but they were ultimately dismissed. Natavia's aunt, Julia Caro, sent so many threatening emails that the case prosecutors were assigned armed bodyguards. Even after death, Linda continued to dominate headlines, and be regular on page six. One blind item read, quote, Which opportunistic friend of the slain Linda Stein has been capitalizing on the superbroker's murder to bask in the spotlight? The two hadn't spoken in years, but now this shameless friend is accusing the cops of not doing enough to catch the murder. And all I can think of is how much Linda loathed that person, says one pal, end quote. Prosecutors said that Linda had suffered, quote, The most painful, brutal, horrible death one can imagine, end quote and this was backed up by forensics. Dr. Michelle Sloan, a coroner from the New York City Chief Medical Examiner's Office, testified that Linda's attacker had hit her 24 times, continuing even after she was lying paralyzed and unconscious on the floor of her apartment. She said Linda could have been hit as many as 80 times. Linda, who was five foot three and 132 pounds, was unconscious by the time she hit the floor, according to The Observer. And there were no defensive wounds on Linda's hands or anywhere else to indicate that she had fought back. So she was incapacitated and helpless and on the floor, but Linda's attacker just kept hitting. Linda had five cuts on her head caused by a blunt metal object, which investigators believed was the yoga stick. Her neck had been snapped and broken after her attacker stomped on it. After the murder, Natavia's lawyer said she tried to cover her tracks. She left Linda a voicemail.
0: Hey, Linda, it's Ntavia. Just want to let you know that I'm leaving work at 5.30. Um. Hopefully the walk in the park was actually good. Um, I left everything of um at the door and Seymour called um, he said just give him a call back if he had a question to ask you and I hope that the showing goes well with Ursula um, and I will see you tomorrow
1: so if you get this before 530 you can just call me if not talk to you later bye she then left a note for Linda on her desk it read quote I waited for you to come back from your run but you never came to the office I guess you didn't want to run or the others to see you in your workout clothes end quote But Linda's daughter, Mandy, testified that while her mom would go for walks in Central Park, she never ran. Natavia's lawyers tried to poke holes in the prosecution's theory. They pointed out that she had no blood on her jacket or her sneakers. But prosecutors said, in their opinion, this happened because Natavia hung her coat in Linda's coat closet. And Linda reportedly had a no shoes indoors rule. The cargo pants were never found by police, according to the New York Daily News. Prosecutors said they believe she threw them into the East River. DNA Info reported that Natavia text-messaged friends to tell them she was home. She wrote that she was, quote, about to take her butt to bed, end quote, hours after Linda was murdered. But cell phone records show she was actually near the East River in the vicinity of the Williamsburg Bridge on the Brooklyn side at this time. Prosecutors say that's where they think she ditched the cargo pants and possibly the yoga stick. If she did it would have simply floated away like a log. Prosecutors have also alleged that after the murder, Natavia transferred $10,000 of Linda's money to her mother's bank account. Again, Natavia's lawyers brought up the viciousness of the attack. Their client, they said, was too petite to have inflicted this type of damage. Dr. Sloan was asked this question in court. The defense attorney asked if she, as a short woman could have inflicted the horrific wounds that Linda suffered. Dr. Sloan said, yes, she or someone her size could do that kind of damage if they had a heavy weapon, like a stapler or candlestick. The defense also pointed out that the murder weapon had never been found. They said that another object, like a pipe, could have caused the star-shaped lacerations all over Linda's body. They suggested that although surveillance video did not show anyone else coming up to Linda's apartment, the killer could have entered another way, According to the Real Deal website, a New York Times reporter found an unlocked service door on 79th Street. Also, there were workers in the lobby painting, and many doormen and elevator operators. According to the website, some of the elevators opened directly into the apartments. And the defense also offered an alternative killer, Linda's daughter, Mandy. Both of Linda's daughters had been having financial problems, they claimed. Natavia was found guilty, and sentenced to 27 years to life. Justice Richard Carruthers recommended that she never be given parole. He said, quote, "...Ms. Lowry acted with an uncommon and almost inhuman degree of coolness and calculation." End quote. Mandy Stein and her sister Samantha both read impact statements in court. Mandy's read, in part, quote, "...Judge Carruthers, members of the press, and everyone who's followed the case, I wish you knew my mother personally." Not the sensationalized, real-to-the-stars Linda Stein, the Linda Stein that was my mother. She was outspoken and could be larger than life. A real New Yorker, the kind of person that's honest and tells it to you the way she sees it. She had chutzpah. My mother treated everyone like a celebrity, regardless of financial and social status. She was dedicated and successful to anything she devoted herself to. My mother was a schoolteacher, manager of a punk rock band, and a real estate agent. She was successful in all of her careers, because she always cared about the people around her and gave 200%. Linda Stein championed her peers by placing them in positions where they could succeed. Most of all, she was a success as my mother. I cry and ache for my mother every day. Not a day goes by that I don't feel the pain of my mother's absence. Natavia, you're a mother. How do you think my sister feels about her children never meeting their grandmother? Do you care? We've never heard any remorse, just lies upon lies out of your mouth. Yet you still have the love and support of your mother. It was rubbed in my face every day in court. There will be no more holidays with my mother. No special moments. No more anything. No day can be 100% happy without my mother. Where's the apology? Where's the remorse? There have been none. Not one apology. Not any show of remorse. You are truly a cold, ruthless killer. We are all safer with you locked away from society. You've also thrust upon me a sense of self-doubt and irrational guilt that will never go away. I ask myself over and over, What could I or Mandy have done to see this coming? Why didn't we see this coming? End quote. According to Gothamus, Natavia continues to maintain her innocence. She said in court, quote, My innocence will continue to remain. I was never afforded a fair trial. Today is just the beginning of a new fight. End quote. Linda's daughter Mandy spoke out as well. She said, quote, my family has continued to be re-victimized by the aggressive behavior of Miss Lowry's immediate family. I personally was accused by them of carrying out this heinous crime. Their actions added a level of torture that was positively cruel, end quote. Natavia Lowry continued to make headlines. She was taken back to court after allegedly throwing feces at a prison guard. After the crime scene cleanup team finished washing the blood from Linda's dream home, it was put up for sale. In 2017... The Real Deal reported that the apartment where Linda was killed sold as part of a larger deal for three units to the founder of a hedge fund who wanted to combine them into one mega dream home. The sales price for all the apartments was $17.9 million, according to public records. Linda's daughters continue to remember her. Samantha announced a party at the nightclub marquee to benefit the Linda Stein Memorial Fund for children. On April 24, 2009, which would have been Linda Stein's 64th birthday, Mandy Stein's film, Burning Down the House, The Rise and Fall of CBGB, premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival. It was dedicated to her mother. Red Collar is an AudioChuck original podcast. Research and writing by me, Katherine Townsend with production assistance from Alyssa Gostola and Resonate Recordings. You can find all of our source material for this episode on our website, redcollarpodcast.com. So what do you think, Chuck? Do you approve?
0: If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because, up your ultimate DIY companion with a Skill Power Tool at Menards. With power and precision at your fingertips, tackle any project with ease. From drilling to sawing, sanding to driving, Skill has you covered. Engineered for efficiency and durability, Skill Power Tools deliver quality results every time. Say big on Skill Power Tools. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Menards.